Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Luke, the 12th chapter. One of the most interestingly controversial portions of scriptures, some of which I have heard some religious people use against Christianity because they do not have the right interpretation of this concept and text. But also something that I realize that many preachers will avoid to preach because they also, many of them, have been deterred by the negative energies that those who are indifferent have given concerning this text. But tonight, I'm going to show you how beautiful and deep this is. And I believe that by the time we're done with this service, somebody will catch fire. Somebody shout hallelujah. Luke 12, the 49th verse, if you were reading the Amplified Version, it says, I have come to cast fire <laughs> upon the earth. I have come to cast fire upon the earth. And the Bible says, and how I wish that it were already kindled. He says, I have a baptism with which to be baptized. And how greatly and sorely am I urged or impelled constrained until it is accomplished. He says, do you suppose that I've come to give peace upon the earth? He says, no, I said to you, but rather division. Ayah. For from now on in one house, there will be five divided among themselves, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds of the people, when you see a cloud rising in the west, at once you say it is going to rain, and so it does. And when you see that a south wind is blowing, you say there's going to be a severe heat and it occurs. You play actors, hypocrites. You know how intelligently to design and interpret and prove the looks of the earth and sky. But how is it that you do not know how to design and interpret and apply the proof to this present time? The proof to this present time. Now, why do I take time to read the 55th verse to the 56th verse? Because it helps us put God's implication in the right lens of understanding. When he says that you see the south wind blowing and you say there will be a severe heat or you see cloud rising in the west and you say it's going to rain and you intelligently can't discern what's happening with the physical elements of the earth but you cannot discern the times and this present hour, he's telling them that many people were indifferent about why Jesus came. So he was among them but they never knew why he was among them. He was with them, but they never knew why he was with them. They followed him and he gave them power. Mighty signs were wrought. You know, many of them cast out devils. They cleansed lepers. They did signs, miracles, and wonders. And he's moving with all of these people. But he's saying, but I don't think that you people understand why I actually came. There are many people who don't know why Jesus actually came. Why did Jesus come? The Christian faith is the most beautiful thing. The most beautiful thing that any human being will ever have or could have ever had. It's the most beautiful idea that ever came out of God. And not because he has no bigger ideas, but because he has expressed it himself. Somebody shout hallelujah. Why? He created you in his image and likeness. And I'm going to come to that later. That's why the human being is the greatest idea because it's in his image and likeness. Nothing is like the human being. And he gave that human being life and salvation. Somebody shout hallelujah. So Christianity is supposed to be the most beautiful life to live on the earth. 
So why did Jesus come? He said, I am come to cast a fire upon the earth and how I wish that were already kindled. That's so deep. Let me help us understand this. I have come, he says, to cast a fire upon the earth and how I wish that it were already kindled. See, it's different if he had said, how I wish that it was kindled. But he says, how I wish that it were already kindled. Because not many were able to see if Jesus had come when the fire was already kindled. <laughs> Let me explain it. Let's just say this fire is revival. Remove fire, for example, and put revival. And then he says, I have come to bring revival upon the earth. And how I wish that it were already there. It were already kindled. How I wish I had come when revival was here. Can you imagine the version of teaching that Jesus would have on the earth if he had found regenerated spirits? Can you imagine the kind of message Jesus would have preached if he had found a new creation on the earth? Can you imagine what Jesus would have done if he had found men which were born again, not of flesh and blood, not the will of man, but they were born by God himself? Do you know what it would look like? It's like saying I have the ability to do many things. But I wish that I came when many of the things that I should be doing first were already done. That would mean I would have more time to invest in doing the bigger stuff. He says, I've come to cast a fire upon the earth. And how I wish that it were already kindled. Because then God would have a different conversation with a kindled people. God would have a different conversation where the flames are. Okay, let's remove revival and say deliverance. He says, I'm come to bring deliverance. But how I wish that it was already done. How I wish I'd found this person free and delivered from all demonic affliction. And I'm able to communicate to them beyond the demons that disturb them on Tuesday. I'm able to minister to them beyond the hypertension that is disturbing them every week. I'm able to talk to them concerning the life that I have beyond the diabetes that is in their body. How I wish it was already kindled. So he's bringing us into a deeper conversation. But when he finds men dead into their sins, the primary ministry was to bring light and knowledge through the glorious gospel. And when he is done, he looks at those who will live in the time after the kingdom. And then he says, greater things shall you do because I go unto the Father. Somebody shout hallelujah. He says, he that believeth on me, the Bible says, the works that I do, he shall also do and greater and greater. Because there's a continuation. The spiritual laws are clear. That the church is moving from one level of glory to another level of glory. One level of faith to another level of faith. From one level of knowledge to another level of knowledge. From one level of revelation to another level of revelation. From one level of ministry to another level of ministry. That's where the church is going. And that's a consistent experience for as long as the earth remaineth. Seed time and harvest. Cold and heat. Summer and winter. Night and day, they will never cease. But you have no control over the night and the day. You have no control over the summer and the winter. You have no control over the cold and heat. But you have control over the seed and the harvest. Luke 8, 11, the parable is that the seed is the word of God. For as long as the earth remaineth, more seed is going to be planted and more harvest is going to be seen. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. So Jesus is trying to bring a conversation of what if I was on the earth? After the fire was kindled. Did he come? Yes. Did he die? Was he raised for our glorification? Yes. That fire was lit. So for us who live after the fire was lit. And that fire comes at the death and resurrection of Jesus. We ask the ultimate question. How would you have ministered after this fire had come? How would you have ministered? Let me use the simplest word. When the glory was here. You see. When you go back to Genesis in the story of creation, when he made man and woman and then they were deceived by the serpent, the serpent deceived Eve and Eve deceived Adam and then they ate the forbidden fruit and the Bible says, and the eyes of both were open and the Bible says they realized that they were naked. They knew that they were naked. They came to a certain understanding 
that they were naked. So before their eyes were open, okay, they never knew that they were what? They were naked. But you see, to have a closed eye to that nature of being naked was actually the consecration of the glory of God on their lives because the glory of God was a garment on Adam and Eve. And that glory had a preconceived consciousness in that nature. And in that consciousness was a deliberate pattern of God for man not to know certain things because that's not the realm of his function. I tell people, you don't need to know everything. You just need to know God. Paul says, when I was among you, I sought to know nothing and be acquainted of nothing save Christ and him crucified. In fact, the Bible says, in Amplified, it says, I was acquainted with nothing to make a display of the knowledge of nothing and to be conscious, he says, of nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. To be conscious of nothing. Conscious of nothing. Because the consciousness is important. It can be defiled by how much you are given. And sometimes the knowledge that is given you is not within the nature that it should receive it or else it would corrupt you. That's why the Bible says that men are corrupted from the simplicity which is in Christ. And so many things are, because of our fallen nature, turned. They're turned. For example, the disciples come to Jesus and said, who is the greatest in the kingdom? And he says, oh, the greatest in the kingdom is one which will convert himself into a child. You see, the word there is conversion. Will convert himself into a child. That means that they mature, but then they convert themselves into a child. And he says, for such is the kingdom of heaven. It's for people who are like children to God. And yet, he says, <laughs> in understanding be men and in malice be babes. So he's saying that we're supposed to go on to perfection we're supposed to grow and mature into adults spiritually that we might not be babes again which are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and the slave of men which are crafty, which lie in wait to deceive. You see, now, let's understand this. The kingdom belongs to them which have converted themselves as children or into children, that conversion to have the faith and the humility of a child Yet it's in becoming a child that we become sons. And it's in becoming sons that we mature. So our highest level of maturity as sons is actually equated to our lowest places of conversion as children. A child is born and the son is given. Jesus Christ. You understand what I'm saying? So the irony of that, how do I be a child yet an adult. How do I be a lion, yet a lamb? You understand what I'm saying? That's Jesus. That's Jesus. How do I be strong, yet I'm weak? How do I give life, yet I die? You see? So when Paul is walking that journey of ministry, he recounts his life, and he says, oh, we're like them which are set behind. We're like the scum of the earth, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing all things, as knowing nothing, yet having the knowledge of all things. So we live in the middle of two things that are so hard to reconcile. Our chastisement is there to death, and yet we live. Our sorrow is there, yet we are always rejoicing as unknown, he says, yet known. You see, so to some we're not known, and to others we're unknown. He says, as unknown, yet well-known. The irony. Why? Because the treasure is in earthen vessels. So there's a pattern the vessel leaves and there's a pattern the treasure leaves. And to reconcile the difference is the perfect balance. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout amen. Shout glory to God. So now, let's go back. In that which man did not know was actually the salvation and glory on his life. It's what saved him from corruption. So Satan puts the bait of God doth know. 
that the day you eat of this fruit, you shall be like God. And you shall be able to tell the difference between good and evil. You shall have the knowledge of good and evil. You shall be as gods. You shall have the knowledge of good and evil. So the man alasts. The Bible says, and she saw the tree that was good to eat and pleasant to the eyes and desirous to make one wise. You see? So Satan cast a vision on Eve and showed one the beauty of the knowledge of good and evil. He showed Eve the nourishment good for food of the knowledge of good and evil and showed Eve the wisdom of good and evil. And yet in that wisdom was actually foolishness and death. So sometimes the conversation is not in what Eve sees, but it's in the first nature, in its inability to know that the serpent was actually deceptive and that was deceiving. You see, that is why any man who is living in that nature cannot know certain things. The carnal man cannot receive, neither discern the things of the spirit, for they are spiritually discerned, estimated. They are unable to get it. They can't. They can't. In fact, the Amplified says they are incapable of knowing it. They are not able. It's not in their ability to know the things of the spirit. You see what I'm saying? So, man is open to a certain knowledge and then he knew that he was naked. And what clothed man was glory. Is that glory? It was like a cloak on man. Man stayed with a certain glory and with that glory came a certain consciousness. And with that consciousness, there was no knowledge of nakedness. You see what I'm saying? So that's why when they fall, God comes to them and tells them, huh, who told you you were naked? Who told you? Who told you? It must have been an instruction that came through a certain realm. This is not a portal that I've opened for you, man. Who told you that you were naked? He asked, have you eaten the tree of the tree? Have you eaten what I commanded you not to eat? Who told you you were naked? Who told you you're sick? Who told you you're poor? Who told you you're weak? Who told you you're failing? Who? Have you eaten of the tree I commanded you not to eat? Are you hearing me? Knowledge of good and evil. Who told you? Who told you that your marriage is failing? Who told you that your child is failing? Who told you? Who told you? Who told you? That's deep. That's deep. That's so deep. And the Bible says in uh, Psalms 8 verses 4, he says, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and, listen, has crowned him with glory and honor. The Hebrew word there for crown is dressed. You have dressed him with glory and honor. So that's the garment man put on before their fall. And thou hast made him, the Bible says, to have dominion huh? because of that glory. He says, you have made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. And you've put, the Bible says, all things under his feet. Are you hearing me? You've put all things under his feet. All the sheep and the oxen, the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the seas. Have you now remembered what he says in Genesis 1.26? And now let us now make man in our own image and after our own likeness. And he says, and let them have dominion. You see? over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now, Psalms is telling us the only reason why man has dominion is because he has been crowned with a certain glory. You see? He's been crowned with a certain glory. And because he's crowned with that glory, he has dominion. Dominion comes because of the glory. So when man loses the glory after the fall, he has lost dominion over the world, over the earth. Now he's a survivor in the earth. The very animal that he named now can maim him. It can eat him. It can kill him. The very thing that he gave identity and purpose, he gave course and nature by the naming and the power of naming. Now it has stand against him. Even a mosquito can bite him and he can get malaria and die. That's a man who lost dominion. Who understands what I'm saying? So what we were closed with was what? 
was dominion. So it's because of the sin that unclosed man. In Romans chapter 3, verses 23, he says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Come short of the glory of God. You see? So it's the sin that enters into the world that makes us short of the glory. Don't forget, I am come to cast a fire in the earth. I came to bring a certain glory, but how I wish that glory was already existent. Tell your neighbor, catch this glory. Tell them, catch this glory. So when you go back to the story, Numbers 14, where the children of Israel rebel against Moses and God wants to kill them. Oh, I'm tired of their sin. I'm tired of their sin. And then Moses tells them, oh God, you cannot kill these people. He starts to negotiate with God or not killing them. In verses 20, the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. I am not going to kill them because you have asked me not to kill them. But listen to the next line. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. This is God speaking. I will not kill him, but as surely as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of God. What is he saying? He's saying that where sin is, I cannot demonstrate glory. And the reason why I wanted to kill every guy that has walked out of the course was to get rid of that sin that is holding me back as God to fill the earth with the glory, to fill the earth with a certain presence. That's why he was ready to take them. And Moses said, uh-uh, leave these men. They're mine. I'm a pastor. The pastor's heart in him has refused because it assumes that it loves these men more than God loves them. But you see, God is so zealous that he was willing to do anything to see that we would see glory on the earth. Our God is a God of glory. And glory is not just, you know, beautiful things flying in the air. It's not glorious because it has nice color and light. No, it's glorious because it has a certain life. Now I'm going somewhere. And then John gets this vision. He says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God and all things were made by him and without him, nothing was made that was made in him was the life and the life was the light of men and that light shines in darkness and darkness comprehended him not. He says, John was not that light. He was just a man sent forth to proclaim that light and that word that is proclaiming became flesh and that flesh, he dwelt among men, the Bible says, and we beheld his glory and as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So when he's sending Jesus Christ, he's trying to bring a certain glory. Oh, he's trying to say, let me give you a sample of how man was supposed to live before Jesus should come in to bring another dose. Ah, it wasn't the end. He came to show us the beginning because the same was in the beginning with the Father. Jesus was an example of where man should begin from to live the life of salvation. He was an example of when you become born again, what do you become? And he says, when John sees this man, he just didn't see a good teacher. He just didn't see a healer. He just didn't see a baptizer. No, by fire. He sees bigger than that. He sees the only begotten son of God, full of grace and truth, in a glory, in a dispensation of a certain glory. He says, we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the father. Listen, we beheld his glory. We saw his glory as one which can only be produced by God. So when Paul beholds the same man, he says, uh-uh, this is the second Adam. This is the second Adam. He's talking about the seed here. Are you hearing me? Now, when he gets into the world, the Bible says he is full of grace and truth. So when we preach grace, it's more than just a doctrine. It's the foundation of the glorious vision of that life. Grace and truth. He says the law was brought by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus. The law was given, just was given. Grace and truth came, it came by Jesus Christ. So grace and truth are simultaneous. They are married to each other. They cannot be separated. Grace and truth are together. He didn't say the law and truth. He says grace and truth 
came by Jesus Christ. So the foundation, the pendulum, again, the balance is between grace and truth. Are you hearing me? That pendulum is the representation of the full vision of the glory that we behold in this man. One, he knew no sin. That is why we see the glory, for we have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You see? That's why he knew no sin. And then he lives a life like a son of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. He goes doing miracles, signs and wonders. But let me also say this. Do you realize that that man who came in that glory, in all the temptations that we saw, in all the tests that we saw, there was never a time we have a record that and then Jesus got a fever. And then Joseph and Mary took him to the local physician because he had a stomach issue. Oh, he was tested in all ways. Oh yes, he carried our sins. He bore our infirmities and our sicknesses. You see, but that was in the canes, the lashes on him. Are you hearing me? There was never a point. Jesus said, let me first be sick a bit. No, 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 no. Are you hearing me? Because there was nowhere those two things would exist together. The man of glory cannot. You know, one guy said, you know, those guys said they cannot fall sick. We don't say we cannot fall sick. The Bible says we don't fall sick. Even worse, the Bible doesn't say we cannot. The Bible says we don't. So it's not about us. Oh, but we're human beings. What nature are you beholding? Who told you that you fall sick? No, our, our usual experiences, you know, but it's nature. It's normal. Apostle, you, don't you fall sick? Haven't you fallen sick before? I have fallen sick before. But that's not the portion of the believer. Somebody shout hallelujah. Again, let's go back to dominion. If man was given dominion over the fowls of the air, the fishes, everything, and he has dominion over it, how can the thing that is supposed to obey you come into you and kill you? Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand? How can a virus that you can't even see, that can even die by sanitizing? How can a virus, something that you need a special lens, you need to zoom lenses and connect them together to see it in a microscope? How can that thing get to you and kill you? Oh, oh, it can kill the man which has fallen from that glory. But it should not kill a man. Because you see, who has received him? Listen, he says, and to many, or to all, the Bible says, that received him, he gave them the right to become sons and daughters of God. He gave them the right to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So if we beheld his only glory as the only begotten of the Father, we beheld his only glory, that very glory that can only come of a man who is begotten of God, and as many as received him, he gave them the right to become sons of God. And when John looks at them, he sees they were not born by flesh. He sees they were not born of blood, nor the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. If any man is born again, if any man becomes born again, he is a new creation. Behold, the old is past, and now all things have become new. And the Bible says, and all things are of God, which has reconciled us back unto himself. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. Peter says that you are born again, not of the corruptible seed, but of the incorruptible, incorruptible seed of God, which is the word of God. He says you are a seed. You are a seed which is incorruptible. You are a product of the word. And that word he says liveth and abideth. Oh, it's incorruptible. Listen, sickness is corruption. Are you hearing me? Bondage is corruption. Affliction is corruption. Demonic possession is corruption. Those things that are disturbing you in your family, those are corruption. He says the, the seed that you are born of is not of corruptible seed. You're not born of corruptible, not corrupted, corruptible. He says you are born again, not of corruptible. That means the thing in you can not be corrupted, does not get corrupted. It cannot get corrupted. Why are we still falling sick? 
He says, now this one, this thing, is going to divide the son and the father. This one. Two guys will be in the house, eh? Three of them will say, you are sick. And two will say, no, he's not sick. That's the thing. Oh, three will say, be realistic. You don't have money. And two will say, who said that I don't have money? That's the division. That is the war. Somebody shout hallelujah. One will say you're failing. Another one will say, no, I am not failing. Are you hearing me? Another one will say, no, you're going to die. And somebody said, no, no, no. I shall live and not die to declare the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. With long life, he will satisfy me and he shall reveal his salvation through me. And this one will say, look at him saying, look at you. You're all bone and skin only. You no longer have a muscle. Now division has come through. This guy has refused. He has refused to do this because for him, he believes he's healed. Whoa! Now division. Now division. Now division. Now division. Now division. Some think they can fall sick. Others think they cannot fall sick. Some say we are justified through faith. Some say we are justified through works. Some are under the law. Others are under the grace. Some are dying. Others are receiving life. Some are increasing and multiplying. Others are regressing within their own doctrine. Some are going upward and upward only. Some are going behind and they are accepting to go in front and behind. Listen, look at the man Jesus Christ. The guy who was the sample. And look at how he lived his life. No, fast forward to 2021 and see the damage that man has brought on the earth. Look at the division right now in the world between the church and the rest of them. Look at how people are fighting the truth. Look at how many people in the world are fighting truth. The media is fighting truth, you know, in different people, even religious people who use the same Bible are fighting truth and grace. This is the division. The division is not go, me, I will not go, no. The division is in between people who have chosen to carry that fire to carry that light, to carry a certain glory, and people who are still compromised with their fallen self. That's the real problem. The problem is not the cancer. No. That's the real problem. The problem is not the HIV. The real problem is this division here. Are you lit or not? Do you catch this thing or you're going to stand no more? That's the difference between a growing church and a dying church. That's the difference between a successful ministry and a dying one. That's the difference between a working marriage and one which is not. That's the difference between greatness and indifference. That's the simplest thing. Are we ready to believe God? That's the question. Can you dare to walk on water? That's all. It's not about what they said. Who they, no, no. Can you just dare? The moment you step, that first step on water, you've divided. You've made a division. Why? Because you're indifferent. That is why you see, recently the Holy Spirit was telling me, rejection is the antidote of mediocrity. When you refuse, to be a mediocre, you will be rejected. Not because you're bad sometimes. Not all rejection is demonic. Look at what they did and how men have resisted Jesus. I was reading the other day a small article and there's a footballer, I think naming, he's paid $50,000 a month, not to mention the name Jesus. He's paid. He's paid. Don't give him the glory. Just play your football, but don't say, Jesus, don't say. They are paying a footballer every week or every month extra of his pay as a footballer just not to say Jesus. Because they know, they know, they know what division this will cause. Are you hearing me? This book says, the guy says, I give glory to my Lord and Savior, Jesus. And they want to pull away the mic. You know, one time I saw this guy who was telling a fighter. He says, don't bring Jesus into our ring. Why? Because they know what that does. Oh, they know what that name can do. Somebody shout hallelujah, glory to God. They know at the sound of that name. He says, every knee. He didn't say will. No, should bow of the things in heaven and of the things in the earth and under the earth and every tongue he didn't say will or might he says should 
confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. To the glory. To the glory. Now, let's go back to that portion of scripture because many people say it every knee and every time. Every knee and every time. Can we first think for a moment, should confess? Every tongue should. Every knee should. At the sound of that name, every knee should. When you say Jesus, cancer, should. Not might, not will, not could. Should. I wish you enter life with that kind of attitude. You say, Jesus. And that kidney should start working. You say, Jesus. And that liver should start functioning. You say, Jesus. And that heart should pump right. You say, should, 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 should. But why isn't it working? Because you are in another realm. You're on the other side of the division. You're on the other side of division. So he says, the servant of God should not strive. But he should in meekness instruct those that oppose themselves. That means they set themselves opposite. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth that they may recover themselves. No, not that God will recover them. No, no. He says that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him, the devil, at his own will. Some people sit and just wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to give you a headache. And there is nothing you can do. So you are a captive who can be taken anywhere Satan wants you to. And God is saying, I'm not going to send angels to recover you. I gave you everything that you need to recover yourself. He says, all that I need to do is to instruct you enough to just wake up and say, mm -mm, I told people my story. I got this doctor, the doctor told me I had a, I was wheezing, I was going through all these kinds of things. And then I will never forget the day. This man tells me that, of course, they used to inject me to help the lungs. So I went through all that. And I'll never forget the day I walk into this clinic. There's a guy who was a chest specialist somewhere around Kamocha. And he says, you know where now you've reached? You have to move with an inhaler. You have to move with an inhaler. And then you wrote the prescription of that inhaler. And then I got that piece of paper and I went back. I was at university then. And I went into my room and I looked at this paper I said, God, let's have a conversation on this. Me? <laughs> a new creature? <laughs> Life of God? <laughs> I said, how? And the Lord said, okay, now that you want us to reason, let's reason. He said, let's reason. Let's reason. What did the doctor say you had logic to? I answered, he said, to cold air. And I could hear God laughing. Well, that's how I relate with him. I could hear God laughing in this ha ha ha. And then he said very clearly, so you are allergic to what I said was good, to what I created. Because in creation, he says he made this and he said, or he saw that it was what? Good. You understand? So he says, I knew what a man needed to breathe. And I gave you oxygen. And millions and billions of people walking across the world with that same oxygen. Some are even paying for it. And you tell me that you inhale something within the air of the same air I know was sufficient for human existence. And you're allergic. Even me, I started laughing. It was so funny. I said, how could I even, how, how could I even think? Oh, I'm so dumb, I'm sorry. Ah, I started laughing and I laughed and I remember I got the paper and I looked at it again and I said, devil, you're so silly. And I tore it and I threw it away. Hallelujah, glory to God. I never wheezed once. I never wheezed once from that day. From that day, I never wheezed once should bow. See, what makes Abraham special? What makes our father of faith special? Because you remember when the Bible says he staggered not at the promise? Huh? But he was fully persuaded that he that promised was also able. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. You see, when you read Romans 4.21, you realize in that equation, you see, because there are three things here. Can God do it? Is he able to do it? That's one question. Second question, has he promised to do it? Third question, will he do it for you? 
Because people will say, you know, yeah, God has promised to heal and he heals, but we're not sure that he or she will heal. Are you hearing me? Now, when you go to Romans 4.21, or let's begin from verses 20, when you see how Abraham approaches this, he says, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. What in there would spell for unbelief? One, either is God able? Or two, will he do it for me? Are we following? But the Bible says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. Doing what? Giving what? We're back again at the fire. Giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was also able to do. So God has addressed the two things. That he has promised it, one, and he has the ability to do. Two. And we don't see the part of, will he do it for me? Do you know why in the walk of Abraham, that was not a factor? Because Abraham knew who man was. He knew that man was created in the very image and likeness. And there is nothing that disturbs God like seeing a corrupted version of himself. It's not about will when you understand this let me explain this for some of your parents your child can have a flu and you feel like you have flu yourself because you hate and you cannot stand the vision of your corrupted self now if you earthly parent will do everything to get flu out of this child you earthly, you earthly and God, who is love, who just then love you, but he's also love above all. Who says that a woman will forget her own child, but I will never leave you, nor forsake you. I will never forget thee. He's telling you, I love you more than your parent will ever love you. But better still, it is never in the question of whether a parent will want their child okay, if that parent is sober 100% will want their child okay. It's not in the question of whether they want their child okay. Even animals fight for their own kids. So when Abraham is going into this, it's not about a will. The question is, has he promised and is he able? Because you see, you can have a child, they're sick, but you're not able to help them. You understand? The child has a sickness, you're not able to heal. But if you were able to heal it, would you? That's why for Abraham, it was not about willing. And if you want to grow in faith, get this whole thing out of your head. Whether God wills or he doesn't will. Because I hear Christians saying, it's God's will. Could be his will that he has taken him or it's not his will. And where do they get that? Let your will be done on the earth as it is done in heaven. But many of them are interpreting that religiously. Listen, Matthew 6.10, thy kingdom come. The Greek word there is realm. Let your realm come. And when your realm comes, he says, your will be done in us, comma, as it is in heaven. So are there sick people in heaven? The realm of God should come and let the will of God be done in earth as it is in heaven. Are there blind people in heaven? Are there deaf people in heaven? So he's saying, look at how heaven is and see how the realm of heaven, the realm of God, like it is doing and exposing itself through the demonstration of glory in heaven. Let that experience come on the earth. That was the prayer. And some people say, you know, it was the will of God for me to carry this disease. He was teaching me. <laughs> I thought you have an unction from on high. You know all things. Somebody shout hallelujah. It's never about willing. Love wills. Tell your neighbor love wills. Yeah, love wills. Love wills. He defined it for us in Corinthians, what it is not and what it is. It is kind. It vaunteth not itself. It does not behave itself unseemly. It does not seek its own. It is not easily provoked. But I love the next line. It thinketh no evil. 
So God cannot be tempted neither. Does he tempt any man with sin? He cannot think, let me let you fall sick. Somebody shout hallelujah. 13.8, it never fails. To what? Do you know when I was reading the scriptures, many of these men and women, the great patriarchs and matriarchs in scripture, you hear portions like, he served God in his generation and then he was taken or he went to be with the father. And this man, this man studies how God is supposed to take us and he tells us in the very, very breath of God's revelation, I will satisfy you with life. Do you know what it means to be satisfied? It means you'll just get up one day and say, I'm done. I'm satisfied. With long life, he said, I will satisfy you. Then when you're satisfied, if you're satisfied at 30, go. It is okay. Are you hearing me? And with those ones, we don't even pray to raise them because they're satisfied. Are you hearing me? Jesus, the Bible says, his life was not taken. It was given. The sample. The example. He said his life was not taken. It was given. He gave his life. It's a decision. If you're not ready to die, hey! <laughs> it doesn't matter what the doctor said and what they are saying is in your body. If you say, I am not. Let me tell you. Number one, I looked at through the whole COVID season and I can tell you this. Anybody can agree with this. One, I went and did sort of an analysis of the people that have been sitting under this message every week. <laughs> and I realized the people who are receiving this message every week, we didn't lose them. There's one we lost. And I even remember that one told us, me, I want to go. I remember very well, he said it. I want the Lord to take his servant. I'm done. That one made his decision. In fact, he asked them in hospital, why don't you let me go? That one, we agreed and let him go. We didn't even try to resurrect. But you realized we usually lost relatives or people who were in and out, but the consistent ones, because I'll tell you anyone, I've talked to people who suffered COVID. I'll tell you every person who went through COVID in this season, they'll tell you at one point, they all said, I refuse to die. All of them. All of them at one point said, I refuse. Ask anybody who understands the word. At one point, all of them said, I refuse to die. The thing is going and the guy says, uh, I'm not going. It hits them. A guy can't walk. He says, I am not going. Are you hearing me? Until the thing said, okay, I will go. Somebody shout hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, I refuse to die like a man. No, I'm supposed to die like a man. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, 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 no. Children of God get satisfied and they say bye. That's how we go. Tell your neighbor, that's how I'll go. Tell him, confess it because there is power in your tongue. Say, that is how I will go. I'll get satisfied and say bye to the world. No, it will not take you. Are you hearing me? It will not take you. It will not take you. That is why in your meditations, I tell people, you don't need to confess health because you are feeling pain. No. It's supposed to be a constant life. For these words are medicine. Are you hearing me? Like people vaccinate themselves from killer diseases and people take, you know, health supplements. There's something every morning when you're speaking and praying. Say, oh, Barade Katala, I have the life of God within me. I cannot fall sick and I cannot die. Greater is he which is in me than he that is in the world. He said, I will serve the Lord my God. And you will take sickness from my midst. Hey, Talabade. He says, you fill my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed as the ego. How do you grow younger? How do you grow younger? By good words. Are you hearing me? Some of you, you're trying to take anti-aging creams. You're putting things on your skin and you're trying to eat things to grow younger. You know, you're wasting time. Just look in the mirror every morning and say, I'm born of the incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. It liveth and abideth forever. My skin cannot be corrupted. Nose, get back in light. Are you hearing me? Scars disappear wrinkles go when you learn to do that people look at you oh if you have known me for 10 years i'm like this if you've known me for 15 years i'm like this same weight same nothing hey 
I incline my ears to your word. I give myself wholly to it. My heart doth meditate. These words do not depart from my mouth. Day and night therein I meditate. For you said that these words are life to them that find them and medicine to all their flesh. I am healthy from my head to my toe. It's regardless of what I feel. It's regardless of what the doctor has said. I carry the life of God. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm a success in the field. I'm a success going in. I'm a success going out. I'm proclaiming those things that become of the glory that I know that I've received in Christ Jesus. That is why when Habakkuk saw it, he said, in the last days, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters covers the sea. Now, he went beyond, I shall feel the earth with my glory. And he realized that they don't understand it. So through the prophet, he said, more than just filling the earth with the glory, let me give the earth the knowledge of that glory. And he says, in the last days, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. That is what we're giving you now. The glory is here, but now we're giving you its knowledge to understand it, such that you will live beyond the kindled fire. You will start a life of how to instruct and be instructed in the laws that govern men who have caught this fire. How are you supposed to instruct a man under glory? How are you supposed to instruct a man under glory? How? That is why he left his body. He says, we regard no man in the flesh. Somebody shout hallelujah. Recently, the Lord has been telling me things. I've been in constant fasting and prayer for so long. I don't want to mention. But every time I thought I was come to the end of that. I see the Spirit pushing me more. And the statement is saying, the world has not seen yet. Creation is groaning, volcanoes are heating, and all these kinds of things. They are looking for us. We are entering a time not far from now where People are going to look at the church and fear. Where the glory of God is going to fall on the earth and the revelation of the person of Jesus Christ like never before. And I see us moving in a power like has never been seen. I see us living an anointing like the world has never seen. Forget the former things, said the Lord. Let me tell you, the thing happening with some of us now we have not even read in history. We have not read it. We have not read it. Some of us are things happening in Uganda right now. We have not read in Uganda. You better open your eyes and understand what God is up to. Some of you stop playing. Walk out of cheap talk and funny gossip and indifference. Something is happening before your eyes. You're looking at the clouds and know it's going to rain. You're looking at the sun and you see it's bright and you know that it's going to be a fair weather but you do not understand what God is doing in this present time. We're writing history. We're writing history. Every one of you, we're writing history. Sun is coming. And the world is going to turn its eyes here. I tell you, they're going to turn their eyes here. They're going to fly and just come to see this. I promise you. You wait. Just watch. Watch. Let them open. Let them open. We've not yet preached. We are going to preach the gospel. We are going to see a glory and an anointing like we have never seen before. It's already too late for the devil to hold us back. None of you will die. Listen to me. None of you. None of you will be lost. Are you hearing me? We're bringing in a harvest and these are the last days. We know it, we smell it, we sense it. Everything in the world is speaking a madness. You put on television and you hear a 40 or 50 year old reporter speaking like a spoiled teenager. Because men have lost their way. They don't understand what's happening. They don't even know what's going on in the world anymore. Are you hearing me? 
we have come to the knowledge of that glory and we're ready tell your neighbor we're ready lay aside these things that are wasting your time listen stop wasting time we're out of time stop wasting time if you know a relationship has been wasting your time write it off right now and prepare yourself are you hearing me if you know that something is holding you back right now this is the time to let whatever is holding you back go reduce your whatsapp contacts if you have to go off facebook if you have to and just go on for the gospel after the gospel go off whatever it is save time right now and prepare yourself because something is coming and it's so big are you hearing me we're entering a place where you'll see our children grow to full maturity and these children will die and they'll say that one we never saw them sick why because they've come to the knowledge some of our children are going to refuse to do medicine except if they have to heal the world but if they're not healing the world some of them will get bored because they won't have many to treat in the days of alexander doe in zion illinois they tell you doctors quit doctors stopped treating people because there was nobody falling sick in zion and they went plumbing a doctor a trained physician goes and asks for a job to plumb because people are not falling sick and we're living in a greater day than alexander doe we're living in a greater place of knowledge than alexander doe how much more somebody shout hallelujah if they are treating people they're treating for purpose for the world to use it as a net you know, I was talking to one of our guys, a cardiologist recently. The guy told me, you know, I am in this thing just to minister to people because I've realized they're not sick physically, they're sick spiritually. And I'm using, if you're training as a doctor to help the world and preach the gospel through that, kudos. Are you hearing me? But beyond that, those days are going to come where the power of God is going to be so strong, so strong. That some people are going to question how do you breathe how do you live how do you do this ministry is going to another level and i'm prophesying right now ministry is going to go to another level forget these things you've been seeing no we're going to go to another level of ministry are you hearing me we're going to get to a point where crippled people and this is not far because we've seen it in this ministry i've seen ushers tell people walk out of that wheelchair and they've walked out but we're going to get to a point where as people are walking in for praise and worship, blind people are seeing, deaf ears are hearing, we don't even need to testify about it because we know they had to. It's the usher welcoming them at the door and asking them, sir, what's wrong with you? He says, I've been crippled for 20 years. And he says, no, it's not healthy for you to come in with a wheelchair. Get up in Jesus' name and walk. And this person will enter church healed and they won't even clap because it's normal. Are you hearing me? And we'll put the wheelchairs there. And then this person will attend service and go back home because they know it should bow. Those days of repeating prayers as though God is not hearing, they've come to an end. It should hear you. When you say, leave me. When you tell it, leave me. When you tell it, leave me. It should go. Tell anybody, catch the glory. Raise your voice and speak to God. Come on. Catch this. Catch this. Lambanore. Aggressively get a hold of it with your spirit. Come on, take it. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving sin, my comforter, my only know, here in the life of Christ I stand in Christ alone who took on flesh fullness of God in helpless people this gift of love and righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save, I see the Spirit of God moving. Till on the cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on Him was laid. 
here in the death of Christ. I live Come on, speak in other tongues. I see the Spirit of God touching. I see somebody catching this. Come on, pray. Pray. There in the ground, his body lay, light of the world, by darkness slain, then burst him forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victorious in sky, on me for I am his and he is mine brought with the precious blood of Christ Shalabade Kepande Zelebodobo Radabako Shalabada Lelebo Sarabarata Radoko Shitalabare come on pray Shabare Prande Kosilabare Telebade Let's sing no guilt in life. No guilt in life. No fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath. Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever flood me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I stand. Come on. Like Moses said, God, show me the glory. Show me the glory. In other words, reveal Christ to me. The Bible says the people without a vision perish. In fact, the Hebrew word for vision is revelation. The people without a revelation perish. Tell God, give me a revelation of the person of Jesus Christ. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Tell him, show me your glory. Tell him, God, use me. Tell him, God, use me. I'm available. Tell him, use me. The Bible says that he's no respecter of persons. Somebody receive it. He's no respecter of persons. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. Receive it in the mighty name of Jesus. Receive it in the mighty name of Jesus. Receive it in the mighty name of Jesus. Take it, take it, take it. Take it, take it. Take it, take it, take it. Receive it in the mighty name of Jesus. 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 God is anointing you. God is consecrating you. God is separating you. God is filling you. Receive it in the mighty name of Jesus.
you, Lord. Father, we thank you because it's happening and we're ready. We're ready. We're ready. We're ready. We're ready. We're ready. Riba di kopra dele koti le panda ziba koshata paradia kapa. We're ready. Marati baradinda guziba di kapata. Ma pari de koshira baradia la kosha. We're ready. 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 Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Wow, I feel the presence of God here. I feel the presence of God here. Somebody ask for something that is impossible. To man, just ask for something that is impossible. I feel the presence of God here. Deaf ears are opening. Blind eyes are seen. I feel it. Blood diseases are healing. Kidneys, intestines, liver problems are healing. Now, thank you, Lord. Ooh. Give him a mighty hand of praise. Give him a mighty hand of praise. Just clap for Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If you've never given your life to Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to receive him as your Lord and Savior. Just repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you shed your blood for my sins and was raised for my glory. Tonight, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest. <laughs>